back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Puckheads, presented by Beerly Sports. Once again, I'm your host, Bill Razor, and I am joined by the aerodynamic Aaron Kinney and the nautical Nate McBride. Nate, I'm calling you nautical because you just got back from a little weekend trip with the lady. So how was your trip? How's your week going? What are we drinking tonight? Uh, trip was good. Everything was great. Went down to the nice town of Savannah, Georgia, home of the Savannah Bananas baseball. But uh, you know that that's not like hockey related. <laughs> I know, right? It's fucking hilarious. They're the Harlem um, Globetrotters of baseball. It's cool. I figured you were calling me nautical because of my fucking Kraken hat. So that right. would make more sense than anything. So there we well, go, too. Both ways. Mm-hmm. The Savannah Ghost Pirates, the esteemed ECHL team of Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Ah, forgot about them. Yes. Um, tonight, rocking with the Coors. Coors Light. Mountains are blue, boys. It's a celebration night anyway. Yarmo, no mo. Boom. We will certainly be getting to that. Aaron, how are we doing? How's your week going, buddy? And what are we drinking? Well, you know what, Phil? I am just exhausted. It's Thursday. It's springtime. My allergies are popping. But I don't give a fuck. We are popping champagne tonight, boys. <laughs> Not only... Have the Columbus Blue Jackets made a management change, but they have also secured a stadium series game on March 1st of next year. So I, never in my life do I remember hearing two positive news bombs out of this franchise. It is just a day of celebration. I've been firing on all cylinders all fucking day. Toss me some of that champagne, brother. That sounds phenomenal right now. Hell yeah, buddy. Pop a bottle. Fuck yeah. Let's it's just from Giant Eagle, so it's nothing expensive. But, you know, it'll it serves the... Uh, the illustrative purpose of what I intended for here. So really, it's just it's sparkling wine. That's what he got. It's hey, that's you know what. Hey, no judgment. Listen, though. I don't no know where this shit man. was made. It might have come from champagne. Who, who knows? Fair enough. Technically, Boys, it's only champagne it. if it's made in champagne. That is true, but either way, otherwise it's sparkling wine. They're very It's like bourbon and whiskey. Um, boys, we gotta hop into it. We have a lot of news to get to today, and it starts. With the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'm sure there's people out there that are rolling their eyes. Too fucking bad, folks. Today, the Columbus Blue Jackets agreed to part ways with longtime general manager Yarmo Kekalainen, um, the Finn who has been leading the front office since 2013. Had a lot of ups and downs over the years, but uh, it's been obviously a lot of downs uh, in the recent years. Um, for me, culminating with the Mike Babcock situation. And then, you know, the season that has uh, gone on since then um, and just the absolute lack of everything the franchise has right now. So they decided to part ways with Yarmo. And I know we have a lot of strong opinions and thoughts on this. So, Aaron, I'll go to you first. Talk about it, my man. Sarah. So despite my celebratory nature, uh, first of all, let's not call it a parting of ways. He got fired. Like, let's call a spade a spade. But yeah. Yarmo Kekalainen... I have to say, is the best general manager the Columbus Blue Jackets have ever had. That being ever. said, he's only the third general manager, and he was following up Doug McQueen, so not really the highest bar in the world to clear. Regardless, the guy made a lot of great decisions, uh, drafted some really good players. He absolutely fleeced Stan Bowman countless times. I I'm wondering if Stan Bowman leaving the league is you know, what led to Yarma's downfall because he hasn't really done much since... He lost his good buddy there who gave him everything for nothing on the draft floor. Um, but, yeah, recent years, Phil, just it's been slowly declining. It's 
this franchise hasn't had much of a direction. We go from a retool to a rebuild to we want to win now to like now we're hiring Mike Babcock and shit's just spiraling downhill from there. It it was just time. Like this guy was the third longest GM in the league, eleven years. Everyone has a shelf life. It's it's crazy that he was even here this long. Um, but I mean, he he had earned some trust and he just he had totally run it out a while ago. I would say. Let's just let's just look at. I mean, here's here's the facts of where this team is right now. Okay, your highest scoring player is Johnny Gaudreau, with thirty five points. That is seven goals and twenty eight assists. Your we second highest, good. your yeah. second highest scorer is Zach Wierenski with thirty points. That's one goal and twenty nine assists. That's insane. He's only scored once. Z only Z. I mean, I don't know which number is more staggering: Z having one or Johnny only having seven. Now Z has missed a lot of time this year to injury, so that's a caveat there. But still, he should have more than that. Your leading goal scorers on this team this year: Boonton Jenner, number one with sixteen goals. Then Kirill Marchenko with fifteen. Yegor Chinnikov with fourteen. Dmitry Voronkov with 13, and Adam Fantilli with 13. And this is two of those guys games are... into the season too. We're this, not like yes. early season here. And let's and and Boone Jenner's only played 37 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and I I've got to say too, like the fact that the we know these are quality pieces and they're not scoring and like. I can't put them not scoring directly on Yarmo, like, except you can because he he's had two now three failed coaching hires all in a row. So player development, implementation of structure, special teams. Don't even get me started on that. It's just oh my god, yeah. It like the the personnel does look good on paper, but when you go through multiple coaches and that personnel that looks good on paper still looks bad, it's the guy hiring the coaches. Like that's. Yeah, that's that's it. Bottom line, right there, and developing that talent. And, and you, and you, and talent yes. development. What is that? Yeah, who the fuck knows? I I will say the Russian guys. They they've come along really nice. Like that is an area, and a lot of it might be because Chinikov's the only one who's been in the organization for a while. You know, it's Marchenko's second year. It's Vronkov's first year. They haven't had time to fucking drag these guys down into the mud like they have some of these other prospects. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I, I I think it's time. It is truly the time to rebuild. Like that's what this is, and that's where Yarmo. I think that's where Yarmo really lost a lot of us was when he said this is a retooling of this team. When you decided to internal hire Brad Larson as your new head coach after John Tortorella, that was your that was the that was the start where you started to lose some faith yep. in this franchise. And then you decided to bring in Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock was your choice for this franchise. And he did Mike Babcock things. And that did force you to then bring in, to go ahead and give the job to Pascal Vincent, who is leading this team to these stats, these numbers, this record, this demoralized fan base. That still shows up night in and night out. That, yeah. you know, anybody that says Columbus isn't a hockey town clearly has never been or has never watched a game in Columbus. 
Um, people are people still show up, and, and the thing is to me, the people deserve better, and I think the franchise is starting to realize that after years of ineptitude. Let's not beat around the bush here. Since the Blue Jackets came into the league, they are the least accomplished team in the league. They have accomplished the least since 2000. Now, now we can all differ in opinions here, but the, uh, the two other teams I put up there with them, just m- my opinion here, the two other teams are Minnesota because they came in at the same time and they've had solid playoff runs. Uh, and they're in they're in playoffs much more often than the Blue Jackets are. I, I would say and those are Arizona, pretty... Minnesota has had more playoff success than us, I would say. But they're close. You're, you're right. They're close, but I, I just when you look at the overall, right? And then Arizona, but they made a Western Conference final in what 2012, so they had a deep playoff run, um, least accomplished in terms of postseason success. The Blue Jackets have won, you can call it two, but one conventional playoff series. And granted, the best upset in playoff history, first round playoff history. I don't think anybody will argue that. Um, no. To, to turn around and then, you know, play a very good Bruins team that came within one game of winning the Stanley Cup that year. But the problem I have with this franchise is Yarmo made some incredible moves early on. Bringing in John Tortorella after an 0-8 start to that season, John Tortorella coming in at that time, it, it, it was huge for this franchise, and he turned it around. And this was after John out- Tortorella left Vancouver in disgrace, so he did take a risk on hiring that guy. 100%, but that was he was the right guy for the moment, and Yarmo nailed it. Yeah, they needed for sure. that kind of structure in this team. Yeah, he I give him props for making for... that risky move. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's that makes the oh, move yeah, yeah. more impressive. 100%. He traded Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. That was a huge win for the Blue Jackets. Not that Johansson's anything to scoff at, but he never turned into the guy that everybody thought he would. I mean, he was an all star in Columbus. You know, he, you know, is a solid NHLer, but he's not. The superstar they thought he'd be. Yeah. Seth Jones. Seth Jones, until he went to Chicago, was that guy. He was a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Uh, the Artemi Panarin trade was an absolute fleece of Chicago, giving them Brandon Sod back yeah. to acquire wait, Artemi Panarin. Wait a second. First, first, let's go back to the Sod trade. Oh, Chicago, you've got a uh, an up-and-coming scorer in his prime coming off a cup championship that you're worried about re-signing. How about we toss you a third-line Russian center who's about to age out of the league and a few table scraps for him? Two years later, oh, Chicago, you, you like this guy? You want him back? How about you send us one of your best young players that, again, you're worrying about re-signing because Stan Bowman doesn't have the spine to go toe-to-toe with his agent. And it, you know, this guy's going to be a perennial all-star, like awesome, incredible playmaker in the league. And we'll just we'll give you an older, now worse Brandon Sod back. Like that's yes, yeah. Yarmo Kekalainen. Every time I see owned Stan Bowman. Every time I see Brandon Sod, by the way, side note, playing in a game, I'm just like, I can't believe. Like good for him. I just find it shocking. He's he's just a good two way guy. Like he he's another one. It's like he showed a lot of really strong promise early, offensively. And he's kind of had to adapt and just become like a two-way winger. So he's he's still a quality player. Like he he provides value. He's just he's not the star that everyone thought he was going to be. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I, I, there were some amazing moves made. Honestly, the line A for PLD move was looking very favorable in the Blue Jack. You know, in the, for the Blue Jackets. Now, I mean, it obviously is a win for the Jackets because PLD doesn't play for Winnipeg anymore. Uh, but Winnipeg ends up winning in that because they got you know, everybody they received from the Kings out of that deal. So, you know, it ends up working out in favor for Winnipeg, just not immediately. 
But he made some great moves. But I you he know, also got a first go, round the... pick at plus for Nick Foligno from Toronto. Correct. The Nick Foligno deal with Toronto was another great one. Um, the bubble is kind of where they peaked with this team, right? Yeah. With with the Blue Jackets that we knew. You know, I'd they, say that was the start to... of the decline. That that was like they had just passed the peak. They were starting to go down a little bit. Yeah. The win over Toronto and get, you know, the best of five series, the play in, whatever you want to, you know, whatever it was officially called, you know, taking Toronto down was great. And, you know, in their home, not that there was anybody watching it live, but in their home city, you know, that was great. You know, here we go. We're matched up with the lightning again, tough series, obviously the incredible five overtime game, they lose in five, you know, a couple overtimes in there, just a gritty series. After that, you get the weird 2021 season. I guess there was no game in 2020. Um, you know, 56 games, weird divisions. You play everybody eight times or whatever it was. And they're terrible. But everybody kind of chalked it up to, that's eh, a weird season. They got put in a tough division with good teams. That was also the end the of Torch shelf life here, too. Like, he Correct. he didn't even really want to come back for that season because he saw the direction that we were heading in a rebuild. You know, the Seth Jones trade takes place. And, you know, Panarin's gone. And Dubois now got It was like... It was just a that was the beginning of like them recognizing, hey, we need to tear this thing down and do something different. Yep, a hundred percent. And you know, I when I look at the timeline, they wanted they wanted to play well for Brad Larson, but he wasn't the right guy. No. And because he wasn't the right guy, it has landed them in the position they are today. And everything that has gone on from twenty twenty one to now is why Yarmo Kekalainen is no longer with this franchise because if they had been able to right the ship and hired the right guy this year, and this team was playing up to its potential, maybe fighting for a wild card spot. He'd still be there, but it, he didn't make the right hire at the very beginning. Yeah, I. Yeah. He, and, and did he hire Todd Richards too? I can't remember if he inherited or hired him, but Todd Richards was a decent coach too. Like at the very, very beginning of Yarmo's tenure. I think he inherited. I think he inherited Todd Richards. Yeah, I. Yarmo's the only. I can see that. Yarmo's the only GM that's ever won a playoff game or series with this franchise. So, yeah, think about that. So, I mean, and here's the thing: what you know, now looking forward, you know, what do we, you know, what do we, what do we as a, you know, as as a fan base, you know, expect from this team to see something, something as that looks like a credible fucking hire, somebody that's had success, you would be really appreciated. I don't want it to be internal. That's my only. No, ask. It, it, it cannot. Did be either internal. you guys watch this... the press conference today with JD? And it, yeah, and it did not uh, strike confidence into me. Let's put it that way. Really? No, you were watching it, it... a different press conference than I did. Then. Oh no, I thought it was. I thought it was shit. Answers. We're pushing everything down the road. We'll see if I'm here. You know. No, he didn't say we'll see if I'm here. He's. He said they're looking no, externally just... at candidates. That's what I was gonna say. Like. It's not going to be an internal hire. He said they're they're exploring all options, looking at external candidates. And if this is an internal hire. I will be less confident than I am now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But like, he. I mean, it, let's not forget either. Which he. I don't know if this has been reported on much, but JD kind of opened some eyes. I think in this press conference as well. He has been away from the team almost the entire season after a brutal back surgery at his age, and has not been nearly as plugged in as he would like to be. So he he mentioned, because he was asked about the timing, right? Uh, he was asked, you know, 
so it seems like odd timing. You know, you just come off a long break. You could have done it then, or you could wait till the off season. And he he comes out and says like, I had a back surgery. I was down for a long time. I you know was on the phone with guys some, but I wasn't physically here and involved. And he said when he got back, it's like okay, I had conversations with Mike Priest. I had conversations with ownership. We we recognize like this is we need to make a change. So I'm I'm saying right now that I believe wholeheartedly. If John Davidson had been healthy and like with this team and seen all the debauchery going on, I I don't think Yarmo Kekalina makes it anywhere close to this deep into the season. And and let's also not forget that despite the bad coaching hires, despite blah blah blah, whatever you want to say, the the offseason moves to trade a first round pick for Ivan Provorov and to trade a late round pick and then sign Damon Severson to a super duper long contract as he's not a spring chicken anymore. And he has not been impressive. I, I was kind of high on that move at the time, but like he had two big missteps there too, like burning assets and cap space on two guys who aren't game changers. So yeah, it's, I, I think JD, he inspired confidence in me at least that they're looking in the right places externally. Now he was also asked about the, uh, the relationship between the locker room and the front office and like players wanting out and all this stuff. And uh, JD tried to kind of deflect, you know, this is a great city. Like we don't have players coming up asking us if we w- they want out and all this stuff. And Aaron Portsline pushed back. He's like, I-, I didn't say anything about the city. I said the front office, like are the things soured there? And he, he kind of deflected there, I think, because he didn't really want to throw Yarmo under the bus. But that was another big thing. He wanted to use the hammer on all the young talent with the RFE- RFA contracts. So I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm optimistic about it. I'm glad to see a change. And I as long as they go external and somebody with some experience, I'm I'm good. That's what that's what that's just what we need. So yep. that's what it is. Yarmo Kekalainen out in Columbus. Do you guys Absolutely have boy. any candidates you're thinking in mind like that you would like to see? I haven't done enough research on it yet. Uh yep. Nope. Yeah. Too fresh. Just been in more of a, you know, kind of celebration mode. Yeah. More I, than anything. I haven't done really any research either. So like I, in the off season, if they haven't got a guy by then, I'll probably have like a list of guys I like, but two names that do stick out to me right away. One, um, up in Montreal, uh, currently vice president, Jeff Gordon, who helped build this Rangers team that we're seeing tear up the league. Now. I, I think he could be an option. He's at a lower position right now. And there have been rumors about him wanting to leave Montreal to be a GM again. And another guy kind of off the board, Mark Hunter from the London Knights in Ontario. Uh, this is the same okay. league that produced Kyle Dubas, and the Hunters have made an absolute evil empire out of that London program up there. I would not mind seeing him jump into this role as well, but it, who knows if he wants to leave his home up there. Make more money here. That's all I'm saying. True, and a bigger stage. True. but. Yeah, you never know people's intentions. Absolutely. Way, speaking of the London Knights, uh, shout out to a friend of the podcast, Juan Copeland, played for the London Knights this I year. I forgot he was so. with them now, dude. That's hell yeah. Well, and he's uh, he's on loan in the USHL right now, I believe, in uh, in Omaha or Lincoln, one of the two. But yeah, he, he's played a few games for the uh, um, for the London Knights. So wanted to give that a quick shout. I like the like the shout there. I'm sure he's uh, had some conversations with him before. So. Um, who knows if he gets hired in Columbus, we can have Juan back on. He can, you know, give us a little inside scoop. Hell yeah. Um, there is some good news coming out of Columbus though. Like we referenced earlier, 
March 1st, 2025, boys. The city of Columbus finally gets an outdoor game. March in, in Ohio is much better than, uh, we'll say, January 1st. So hopefully the weather will be uh, good that day. They will take on the Detroit Red Wings um, at Ohio Stadium to get the Ohio State Michigan back in the shoe again. Uh, boys, I am fucking psyched for this matchup. You flying up for this you one, gotta be, You're, you're going to have to be quick to pull the trigger on this one. I'll tell you that much. What do you mean? You're going to have to be quick to buy tickets. That's what I mean. Oh, like, yeah. I am buying yeah. as many tickets as I am allowed to as soon as it opens up. I Like, yeah. I'll, I'll go into thousands of dollars of debt if I have to. I am loading up, and, you know, that way I can bring as many friends as I want. They'll just, like, reimburse me, or I'll say, fuck you, and I'll scalp them at the game because you know those bitches are going to go for a lot at the time. Absolutely. It's, uh, I'm excited the city of Columbus has been clamoring for an outdoor game for a long time. It's long overdue. And finally, we get a president uh, at Ohio State that is a hockey guy. No shit. And bam, that happened. So, yeah, fucking, so. fucking Top Gun Teddy, baby. Yep. He's a he's a hockey guy. You know, maybe that's what it took. But the shoe is one of the most iconic uh, stadiums in college athletics, if not just athletics in general. Um, it seats over 100,000, for those of you that are not college football fans. You could probably get standing room only 110,000 people in there. They have um, against Michigan State, or no, I'm sorry, against Michigan in 2016. The most recorded was 110 and some thousand. Like it, yeah, it was beyond the 105,000 capacity they advertise. I will also say, capacity talk over here. The current record for an NHL outdoor game is held by the Big House, with I believe yep. about 102 or 103,000. So you know. We packed the fucking shoe here. We can beat those bitches up north, not only on the ice, but also in the record books. So let's fucking get it. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, I, Twitter's buzzing right now with this. This is going to be fun. Um, like I said, it's been a long time coming. It's the matchup we wanted in the venue we wanted. So uh, that is, for any Blue Jackets fan out there listening that might be uh, a little sad after, Yar you know, Yarmo's dismissal today. Um, I know there's a lot of very happy people, but, you know, there are also people that are, uh, you know, a little more crestfallen over the news uh, you can take solace and celebrate the fact that in about a year's time uh you'll be you could be in the shoe watching the blue jackets take on the detroit red wings so that was a uh, a lot of blue jackets talk let's hop into something else that happened uh, a lot of people have already commented on this but we have not and since our normal recording happened to be valentine's day and you two gentlemen had to go riz up your ladies Phil, talk, you gotta stop just firing off riz like that i'm sorry like it's hey. it, it, it that's not talk. our language bro let me cook. We're, we're uh, so much older. We're too old to be using the word Riz. Hey, listeners, if you think we're too old to be using the word Riz, let us know at Barely Hockey on Twitter while you're there. Make sure you hop over to our Instagram. Check us out, Barely Sports. We've got a merch store in there. Leave us a five-star review on everything uh, on your listening platform and make sure that you follow all those accounts. And if you're interested in other sports as well, Barely Football, Barely Hoops, and Barely Baseball. So, gentlemen, we got to talk about the Ridley Grieg, Morgan Riley, we'll call it incident, I guess. Uh, for those that are unaware, and if you're unaware, you've been living under a fucking rock. Ridley Grieg decided rock. to rip home an absolute clap on into Toronto's empty net. Uh, from, about, from about from about five feet away. Yeah, from about five feet away to seal the game. Um, obviously, a game Toronto should, you know, Toronto's lost to Ottawa a few times this year. Ottawa being bottom feeders. Uh, a little more salt in the wound than, uh, you know, if let's say Edmonton did it or something, but um, regardless, the Battle of Ontario ended in that. 
and it ended with Morgan Riley cross-checking Ridley Grieg in the fucking face. Um, boys, the clap bomb into the net, disrespectful, yes. Could have been handled differently, but I, for one, if Morgan Riley, I mean, he's going to eat eat the sussy, obviously, five-game suspension, but... He's appealing it, too, like- but it's going to be over by the time he gets heard. Yeah. I love the sandpaper on this. If there was one team in the league that I thought would take that and do nothing about it, it would be Toronto. So the fact that somebody got pissed off, I think a lot of Leafs fans can, can you know, take solace in that at least. Yeah, I would say so. I, I got one comment on this whole thing. This is some rock star shit on both ends. This is the NHL I want, bro. I want fucking cocky-ass rookies coming down, taking clappers into empty nets. I want the other team coming in and trying to fucking murder them against the boards for it. This is the most insane, entertaining bullshit that's happened here in a minute. So let's go. Both parties, round of applause. It's an entertainment venue, really. I mean, like, yeah, you want to be tough hockey man and win, but, like, ultimately, it's about entertaining people. And this is this has generated media buzz for a fucking week. So both guys, way to grow the game. Well, and... Honestly, dude, the Battle of Ontario is finally back. Like yeah. we have some, we have some competition there. We have some life out of Ottawa. We're gonna be seeing that for a while. So, um, I like it. Yes, it's brought that back. You know, honestly, man, if you're if you're Toronto, you like that you get the response out of a guy. That's what you want. And if and if the roles were reversed here, you uh, in Ottawa, you'd want the same thing. In Ottawa, you know, hell, people are talking about you yeah people are talking about you that's what you want you're you're a last place team in a really good atlantic division let's not forget that the atlantic division might be the second best division in hockey this year from top to bottom just overall strength and you anybody can come at me if you want to argue that but all i'm saying is they both you know the two teams in the east wild card are held by atlantic teams yeah, the Atlantic's definitely outperforming the Metro this year. Yeah, yeah. There, there's just a so, lot of shit bottom feeders in every division this year. But I think the Metro yeah. has the most, like, mediocre mid-teams, and the Central's just, like, the haves and the have-nots. So I'd say it, but, the Atlantic and, division, like, you're getting a good game no matter who you're playing against there, I'd say. But yeah. you know, but on this situation, in this situation with Ridley Grieg and Morgan Riley, here's what you got. Ridley Grieg, you know what you were doing. Morgan Riley, Morgan Riley, we like that you responded. Maybe should have responded differently. I think Elliot Friedman said it best. If he just drops, if he just drops the mitts and jumps Ridley Grieg, there's probably no suspension whatsoever. But here we are. You cross-checked him to the neck, so you eat the five-game suspension. However, if you're Toronto, you know you, you're right now. You're up on Philly two to one. But this is one of your best players, Morgan Riley. It's her only here. like Morgan top Riley. four defenseman. You don't have yep, anybody right. who can step up in his role on D. Exactly, no, and, and but and he's and he's just from a overall performance perspective, he's been one of your best players. If you're Sheldon Keith, and now you've lost him for five games, so you got to hope that you can you know pull this one out tonight against Philly, the, the team in third place over in the Metro. And then you got four more games to go. It's time to uh, it's time to pull the top four blue line 
trades that they're gonna they're gonna inevitably do. It's might going as to well. Happen. They're gonna bring someone in in Toronto, and it's gonna be a financial mess for them. I know the cap situation is abysmal there, but they're gonna find a way to get something done. It's not as bad as we would initially think, though, because they get Klingberg on IR. That does free up some space. They've got that a little true. bit of flexibility, but yeah, they're they're gonna have to move some pieces out to make like a big deal. Yeah, they are, and it it's not gonna be easy. But that is one hundred percent gonna happen in the near future. Um, we were talking about the team that Toronto's playing, the Philadelphia Flyers, boys. I still think Philly fans are absolute scumbags, but I will give this team and John Tortorella the credit that they are due. I want to read off how streaky this team has been and managed to stay where they are. Most teams in the NHL, you know, playoff teams, right? Throughout the course of the season, they, they win three, lose two. That's usually the five-game stretch, right? You know, you're hoping that one of those losses is an OTL or shootout, but you're losing two out of five. Since, let me start here. Since right around New Year's Eve, right, the Flyers have had a four-game skid. Then they alternated win and loss. Then they had a five-game heater. Then they had a five-game losing streak, and now they're on a four-game heater. So this team is is entirely boom or bust. But as it sits now, they're in third in the Metropolitan Division. And if playoffs started today, we'd have a bottle of Rod battle, excuse me, of Rod the Bod, his old team against the team he coaches. Flyers Canes talk about an absolute slugfest um but you know this team you know in, in Philadelphia they just named Sean Couturier their captain it's the 20th captain in Philadelphia Flyers franchise history so stick taps to Sean Couturier um but you know now they have that leader in the locker room I mean if this team's going to be this boomer bust through the rest of the year who knows where they end up <clears throat> but right now they're hot and they're sitting third of the Metro boys yeah I mean Really, naming him captain, congratulations to him, man. I think it was almost more of a formality than anything because he has been the leader of this team this year. And really, he was a major leader even previously when Drew was a captain. Uh, the fact that he has been able to do what he is doing right now after coming off missing like two full calendar years almost with back surgery, it, he had the surgery, recovery went bad, they fucked it up, so he had to go get another surgery. Like, 90% of NHL players aren't playing another game after that, let alone doing what Couturier is doing. He's ripping off 11 goals, 22 assists, 33 points in 50 games this season. Third on the team in scoring, taking all the tough matchups as the lockdown center, too, against top lines of opponents. I mean, he he's leading the way here. Travis Konechny also. Guy just plays with an absolute killer edge. He's really blossomed under Tortorella. And I... I wasn't really sure what to expect from the Flyers' defense this year. You know, losing Provorov to that trade, I mean, it was time for him to go. It, you weren't really sure what you were getting. Bringing in Sean Walker, it, how he has blossomed under Tortorella and the rejuvenation of Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, he's not a crazy scorer anymore, but he's a good fucking depth defensive defenseman. Like, he, he's really adjusted his game there. So, Torts is molding this team into his image. The crazy thing is they might still be sellers of the deadline because they're admittedly in a rebuild. So, like, if you can pump Sean Walker's value up to the moon and trade him for, like, possibly a first, most likely, like, a second and a third or something like that, bank those assets, baby. Like, they are on such a good path right now. 
you Absolutely. could be you could be building an absolute dynasty here soon with torts if you give if you give him assets and you can let and you let him you draft players under his image that he like like he can mold boys this is a city that that it would fit John Tortorella's style they would love it they could keep it going for years and years and years this is where it, this is where it starts so yeah they're, and you've they're got Philly is over too absolutely like you got victor mete there a young guy who could victor still mete, produce, who... that guy's like ancient isn't he 25 really i thought he was like i'm thinking of jeff petrie i'm sorry the wrong ex-canadians defenseman yeah you got victor mete he hasn't done much but you know maybe could be could be something Jamie but like Drysdale. you said the, like jamie drysdale exactly um and then honestly dude Travis Sandheim is having himself a nice year as well. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's come back to Cam Atkinson too. You know, not to go back to the Blue Jackets talk. He's a flyer now, but nice bounce back for him after missing all of last season as well. Him and Couturier both were just shot in the arm veterans to this team that really needed some help up front. And I mean, this team. Go, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say like the the one weakness I'm seeing here like. They don't have any of that like top end elite playmaking talent, and that's probably why their power play is so bad. But bringing in a guy like Drysdale to help run it, and just their five on five play is so good, and that's what wins in the playoffs anyway. I mean, it, I've, I'm impressed to hell with what they've done. Absolutely, and yeah, you know, like we said, it, it, it's not a team with superstars. It's just a team that's playing very well, you know, as a group, which is what Torts thrives at. You know, we mentioned Connecty. I mean, Joel Farabee, second on this team in points. Uh, Owen Tippett is having a great season, finally. Um, you got guys like Morgan Frost and Scott Lawton that are great locker room guys. So I think, uh, you know, everything is gelling well for this team. Um, obviously, no Carter Hart, and we don't know when he'll be back or what's going to go on with that situation. So, uh, you know, they're relying on, you know, different goaltending right now. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, Samuel Erson is playing well enough serviceable enough these save percentage isn't anything to write home about it's 901 but you know less than two and a half goals per game that's a recipe to win uh in this league and definitely win under a tortorella style team so um you know we have we have to give a shout out to the philadelphia flyers we haven't talked about it a lot and you know they're still right there and like you said they might be sellers at the deadline but who knows they could still sneak into playoffs anything's possible in this day and age so stay in the metropolitan division boys um right now if the season ended the new york rangers would be the top seed. Uh, they have a six-point lead over the Carolina Hurricanes going into play tonight. Um, boys, you would think when you go on social media, according to Rangers fans, that the sky is falling. But to me, this team just keeps getting better and better as the season progresses. What did you say, Aaron? I mean, they've had some ups and downs. They, they went through a little bit of a rough stretch there, but they bounced back after the All-Star break. I... I mean, they, they were underperforming there for a while before the break, but I think that they're a veteran team. They came back kind of rejuvenated. I still have no idea what's going on with Igor Shosturkin and Net, but Jonathan Quick has given them lights-out vintage fucking 2014 Cup Jonathan Quick goaltending right now. So it, how how bad does that look for L.A. right now with their goaltending problems? They got rid of that guy last year, and now look what he's doing. He's, like, wrestled the starting position from Shesterkin temporarily here until he figures his game out. Uh, how they'd love yeah. to have a guy like Jonathan Quick instead of 
Cam Talbot, who's fallen off, and Phoenix Copley, and big save Dave Riddick. Like, it's that 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 move boggles my mind. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, they're go ahead, Phil. Sorry, I was gonna say Shostakin did get a shutout earlier this week, which could be a nice little confidence boost for the man. I mean, he is coming into play um, with just a nine oh two, whereas Quick has a nine nineteen. So just you know, performance based metrics there, just kind of a microcosm of how the two have been playing this year. Um, and both, Shostakin's you know, a better incredible. goalie. Like I'm not making that argument, but yeah. he's just he's figuring his shit out right now. He he'll be he'll get it sorted out here. It, I mean, it's, it's a nice, nice option to have going to the playoffs for them too, is to have two guys of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's what you, that's exactly what you want. And right now, you know, yes, Quick's giving you minutes. Shesterkin's getting rest. He's again getting out of a funk, but you like that he did give you a shutout. You're hoping that gives him some confidence, can start building some performances off of this, catch some heat, and then you start giving him some starts. This might be the perfect time to start letting him catch heat. You got March and April, and then here we are, playoffs. Yeah. So there we so you know right you know it could be just the right time for Igor Shosturkin to start catching some heat. Who do you boys think starts the stadium I, series this weekend? Oof. Uh, boy, do they have so they play what Saturday? Yeah. Saturday against and who do they have in the uh, stadium? The Islanders. Okay. I, I say they. I think they go Shosturkin. I could see it. I. Quick has also already played an outdoor game too, so like he he's had the experience. He might even be like, "Hey, let the kid do it." But I, I it just reminds me of back in Vancouver that Heritage Classic when Torts was a coach there. Luongo got fucking benched, and Eddie Lack is out there starting. And like, Lou is giving his heart and soul to this franchise. Like he gets a once in a lifetime opportunity to play in an outdoor game. This is one decision where I will not get behind Torts. He's just like, "Yeah, sorry, dude, you're not playing well right now. We're going to the young kid." It, that was that was a shitty move, but I I could see the young kid here. He's the better one. I I think Shesterkin starts too. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Um, I will say so. In the, they are playing the uh, the Canadians tonight. They are up four one. So you know, winning a game that you should. However, uh, I did see Blake Wheeler went down, and uh, he did have to be stretchered away from oh, the stadium um, with a with a knee with a knee injury. So. Um, it could be a very tough loss for the Rangers and, uh, definitely want to, you know, keep your thoughts up for Blake Wheeler. Yeah. It's actually on Sunday. I was wrong. It's on Sunday. Oh, um, well, I was wrong. You yeah, asked but... me and I answered confidently the incorrect answer. That's no, all good. Yeah. They, uh, they're playing right now and then, uh, they have two days off. So, you know, theoretically both goaltenders will be well rested going into that game, but I, I definitely think they probably give it to Shesterkin. Um, I agree with that. I think Jonathan Quick has been there and done it. Um, if they want to guarantee, you know, if they want their best chance to win, I might go with Jonathan Quick, but that could be the kind of moment that Shosturkin needs to, you know, kind of get, you know, kick his ass a little bit, put him on the big stage and see if he can find that mojo again. So I think the rock with, with big Igor um, on Sunday afternoon as well, man, the people in New York got to love that football season just ended. They're getting a Sunday game at MetLife stadium. Good for them. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like it never ended. Um, let's hop over to the Central Division. I wanted to talk about this, too. Uh, I am looking at the standings, and it is a beauty to look at, just as a neutral fan here. You have Dallas with 72 points right now, and then Colorado right behind him at 70, and then Winnipeg at 69. Nice. nice. Um, boys, 
one thing I wanted to I wanted to pose this to you. Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and then if you go down to fourth, you know St. Louis is eleven points behind Winnipeg, so we'll leave them out of the conversation. But those top three, and Nate, we'll start with you. Where do you see this finishing as we hit the home stretch here, last third of the season? Where do you see this division ending? Because right now we got Dallas, Colorado, and Winnipeg. Who moves up? Who moves down? Is it St. Pat? What do you think? Boy, I don't know. I mean, I'm so I'm seeing right now. So Dallas went up 4 1 on Nashville in the first 15 minutes of their game tonight. I mean, Nashville isn't anything to write home about, but boys, to put up four goals, it was, it was three goals in the first 10 minutes. I mean, these guys are scoring. These guys are scoring at a insane clip. My just my concern with Dallas again is always going to be goaltending because you've got is it Scott Wedgwood that they have there? He's been good this year, dude. He's been again, really good. I I know he's been good, but I I'm always going to question how long can he keep it up because we've also seen Scott Wedgwood not be good. So, I think again, like, looking how, back at how, last how, year, we talked a lot of shit about him, but. He finished the season strong there, really. So, like, we've seen him for a season and a half provide quality, like, 1B goaltending, really, because Ottinger's been out a little bit and struggling some. So, like, I'm— So maybe so maybe I need to think, look at it differently. Maybe it's I, I, I shouldn't be waiting for him to fuck up. Maybe I just got to keep letting him prove us wrong. I think and... so. Hey, Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill was a guy you, we weren't sure about until— he went on and fucking backstopped Vegas to the cup with a hell of a save percentage last year. I my Absolutely. stock my Scott so, Wedgwood stock is soaring right now. Yeah, I Absolutely. I mean, so how do I see this finishing? All right. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to say that it's going to finish Dallas 1. I'm going to say Winnipeg 2, Colorado 3. Nate, that is that is scalding. I know it's scalding, but here's my thing. I, I don't know. Colorado doesn't really have the cap space to be playing around at the deadline to be making moves. They're really just hoping on getting some guys back and some guys catching heat. Winnipeg made that Sean Monahan move, uh, you know, and we're still waiting for that to fully pan out, see how that could work out but they still have some room to play around with and can still maybe make another move. And I love their goaltending situation out of the three of those teams. They have the strongest goaltending situation in my opinion and the strongest defense in my opinion. Okay. And here, and going into the playoffs defense and goaltending is proven to be what can get you to a cup. Of course, of course. I mean, you get a hot goalie, Hot tendy, anything's possible. Aaron, what do you think? I am going to go Dallas 1 as well, Nate. I'm going to go Colorado 2, Winnipeg 3. couple of reasons here. Dallas, they're making a move. Like, it, it's coming. They are already so, so good. They like their team a lot. But I think we're seeing a move coming on the blue line. Their forward depth they is need immaculate. Something. The top of their blue line now is great, too, with Thomas Harley blossoming into the fucking unicorn smooth skating breakout drive the net machine that we've seen unreal what he's done this year now playing with Haskinen that's a deadly top unit I think you're seeing I 
I want so bad to see Noah Hannafin go there. I don't think they can swing that quite. Ooh, I like that. But, yeah, it's going to be expensive money-wise and assets-wise. And Dallas doesn't like to sell that many assets when they like their team. So I I don't know that that'll happen, but I think they're going to get, like, a second-pair good mobile defenseman to wake that uh, defensive depth up a little bit, provide some offense from the back end. Colorado, sure. they're making a fucking move. They're going to be right on Dallas's heels. I know they've only oh. got, like, one-point-some million in cap space. You've got a couple guys who I view now as very disposable. Ryan Johansson, $4 million a year. You know, you you took a bet on the bargain bin on him. Hasn't worked out. He's been doing a little of the old uh, PLD straight-legging it in the corners. I, I think that they are going to move on from him as part of a package, clear some cap space, and bring in a legit 2C. That's what they need. And to sweeten that deal, maybe, and bring in another depth guy, potentially on the back end. Colorado is not nearly as high on Bo and Byram as they were previously. They've also got a shitload of money wrapped up in the top of their defense. I think at this point, Byram is disposable to them, and I think we see him and Johansson both move and bring in some elite help at second line. Maybe not like elite, you know, elite player, but someone who's a very good second line center and some mobile depth on the defense as well. Winnipeg, they're good. I just don't see it from an offensive perspective. I they they don't. Man, have the you're sleeping. Man, you you talk them up when you talk them up, but then you want to just stick with the status quo. You're not willing to take a risk. That's okay. It's fine. You could stay in your safety box. It's okay. But us here in the realistic world see that this team is an offensive juggernaut because they have Ehlers. You've got Kyle Connor. You've got you've got three strong scoring lines and one gritty line. The thing though is Nate, their offense has been sputtering. Like I was so high on the Jets when I was so high on the Jets because they were scoring and preventing and like they were well balanced and very good in all assets of the game. But right now, their last few games here since just before the All-Star break. Before the All-Star break, they were shut out by the Maple Leafs. one nothing. Then they go in against the Maple Leafs again. Lose 2-4. Penguins get shut out again. Two shutouts in three games. Lose 3 nothing. One goal the next game against Philly. Two goals the next game against Pittsburgh. And one goal. They could score one goal on the Sharks, and it was a weird deflection out front. Their offense is anemic right now, man. Like, it's, it's just not the high-powered machine that we saw right before the break, before that Toronto situation there. So, I don't know. They're trying to figure – they're just trying to – they're trying to figure out where Sean Monaghan fits. And, and again, I, I think there's I think there's still another move to be made. There's still another move out there to be made. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll, I'm willing to wait and see. I'm just saying right now, I don't view them in the same tier as Dallas and uh, Colorado. That's fair. Um, I was looking at the schedules, and Dallas and Colorado play two more times, both of them in Denver. Um, Colorado's schedule to end the year, obviously there's quite a few games left, but just to throw a few uh, things out there in Colorado's favor, they play you know, a lot of games against Chicago and Nashville and Minnesota, games they should win. Um, they do have to you know, make a trip to Vancouver in there, 
and they end the season with a bitch uh, of Dallas at home, Minnesota at home, Winnipeg at home, turn around and play in Vegas the next day, and then they have four days off before they wrap the season up with Edmonton. So not an easy end to the season for them, but they do have two games against Columbus in there. Um, I mentioned the teams in the Central already that they play quite a few times. Excuse me. Um, and then, you know, they get Arizona in there as well. So they do have winnable games coming up, but they do have um, quite a bit of, you know, top-level competition to even it out. I would say Colorado's, it's kind of, you know, top third of the league, bottom third of the league pretty much the entire rest of the way, um, barring a few few other games in there. But um, having both those games against Dallas at home is huge. I think Colorado wins the division. I think Colorado wins the division by two points. Dallas will finish second, and I think Dallas will stomp out Winnipeg, who will finish third, and all likelihood unless they fall off a cliff and St. Louis goes on a run. Um, I think they'd stomp out Winnipeg in probably five or six, and it may not be all that competitive if it goes to six. Similar but... to what we saw against Vegas last year. I'll tell yeah. you, here, you know, a team that we haven't talked about that could possibly be sellers at the deadline, and here's two names, veteran guys, that could probably jump on to a t- to a playoff team and be a great plug-in. Number one, or that team, the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. You've got a guy, Kyle Lepozo, 35 years old. He's on. He's a UFA at the end of the year, 2.5 mil. Another guy. Good leader. On that, another guy, Eric Johnson. Defense, 35 years old, 3.25. Well, he, yeah, I mean, he left Colorado to go there, so reunion would, you know, they already know him. And we already so know how much him. they like bringing back a uh, depth defenseman named Johnson. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I exactly. will say Eric Johnson, man, I, I've i really struggled to watch him in Buffalo. He, he has not worked out the way I thought he has. I don't know that they'd be that a contender would be as high on him, maybe if there's not much else on the market. But yeah, Kyle Ocposo, I really like that play, Nate. And you Buffalo know, also wants to also shake things up too. They they're ready to get some moves going because it's just not quite working out right now. You know, they also they could also just go ahead and shut off Eric Robinson if they wanted to. <laughs> Maybe just put him back on waivers and see if someone will take him. I don't know if anybody's really paying assets for him. Depth speed. You know, another guy, another guy that is coming up on on UFA there in Buffalo is Victor Olofsson. Victor Golofsson, you mean? Yeah. He's coming up. He's 4.75 and he's coming up on a UFA. He's coming up to be a UFA. Now I do, I do feel that's a, that's a guy you don't want to let go if you're Buffalo. I honestly, I wouldn't mind Buffalo moving on from him if you get an okay return. But I, but I also, don't know but if, if you're can... Buffalo, I'd be, t- I'd be talking to him and asking him, or do you, do you want to be here? Because if not, we, we want to, we need to get something out of you. I, I think that, I, I want to know how Buffalo views his next contract because, do you really want to invest actual money in Victor Olofsson, who like you kind of know twenty eight, yeah, he's twenty eight, he's, he's not uh, buffalo right now the way they've fallen off i don't know that they're ready to be back in the mix next year like i'm sorry buffalo i i just don't like i I was so excited i think they're a couple years away again because they're gonna have to shake things up and you look at a guy that's making multiple millions of dollars 
while meanwhile you've got all these young guys coming up that are either on ELCs or like looking at their first RFA deals that are going to be cheaper and have more potential upside they've got a lot of young forward depth so I I could really see him being disposable if you can get some assets for him here absolutely um that's yeah. amazing Buffalo's Buffalo's going to be an interesting one in the next couple of years because we were all so high on them coming yeah. into the year and they just face planted. Phil, they looked they looked they looked strong with how they performed with how they yeah. finished out last year. Mm-hmm. I think we all were just kind of saying that hey they're going to ride this wave. Um, what's his name? Devin Levi. He was going to be there. He's going to be their fucking man and goal, but that hasn't worked out very well. Yeah. Um, he I think he I. I'm the biggest culprit here. I really overestimated his ability to adjust to a full season of NHL hockey, especially like coming into a fresh season instead of just coming in down the stretch when maybe teams aren't taking you as seriously. He he could use this year of seasoning like behind a guy like Uko Pekalukkanen and going down for stints in the AHL. Like he he's young and he he needs some cooking. Um. I do want to say real quick, Phil, you mentioned the Wild as an easy team on the schedule for Colorado. The Wild have won seven of their last nine games, man. I can't fucking believe it. I'm just talking about how they perform this season. You know, th- that is a team that they should beat seven out of ten times. It, hey, not lately, man. I'm, the The Wild have been beating everybody seven out of nine times, you know? Like, they're they're scoring again. Matt Boldy looks like a fucking horse. I'm I'm really surprised by yep. what they've done. They might not be able to keep it up, but good for Minnesota, man. Like they're they're coming together. Colorado Colorado has them three times to uh wrap up the season, so they have a lot lot more meetings uh in Minnesota. Make sure you hit Tom Reed's pub. Shout out to a state of hoppy for having me all jacked up when I go up there to go to Tom Reed's and get the cheese curds. Um yeah, I mean Minnesota's a team that also is underperformed this year. Um teams they should be Chicago, which Connor Bernard will be back next week. That's great. Um, the league is better when he's in it. He's back tonight, you know, I think, was, actually, I saw. Was it tonight? Okay, then. The, yeah, he wasn't back, supposed to come back action. till next week. He took his first contact drill today, and they were like, all right, you're good to go. It's like, oh. that's a little bit of a risky play there, you think? Yeah, m- maybe a little bit, but um, either way, Chicago and Nashville are teams that they should be able to handle, but, I mean, Dallas too, man, and this is not an anti-Dallas thing for me. I just, Colorado's a team that, we talk about it. They've been there, done that factor. They won a cup two years ago. The nucleus is pretty much still there. You know, the thing with Colorado is they've been trying to replace Kadri for two years. Mm-hmm. That's been one of the biggest things they lost was Kadri when he left for Calgary, which, you know, I get it, go get paid, but he definitely, both parties probably regret that one right now. Um, but I want to talk about Dallas too, because I agree that they're going to make a big splash. Offensively, Dallas might be the best team in the league. And I, I don't say that lightly. I, I mean, top to bottom, Dallas can beat you first line, second line, third line, any night, you know? And they can all pick up the slack for each other. They have perennial, you know, former perennial all-stars on their third line and Matthew Shane and Tyler Sagan. I mean, this team is loaded. Top, top, you know, their top three lines. The fourth line, if you can get any production out of them, that's great. But Mason Marchman's had a great year for them. And, you know, White Johnson's continuing on a, a great rookie season last year where, you know, we were kind of pushing for him to win the Calder at one point. Um, but I think this Dallas Stars team, they're not going to go anywhere. I just think the fact that they have to play both their games with Colorado on the road, that's why I give Colorado the two-point edge at the end of the season. I think 
you know, Dallas can easily get a point out of those two games, but can they win one of them? That's what I don't know. Because when you come down the stretch against a veteran-laden team like Colorado with the number one seed on the line, not having to play a divisional opponent in all likelihood, first round of playoffs, and you get a bottom feeder out of the Pacific, that's a lot to play for, you know? Yeah, I just I, think Dallas I is a veteran-laden team that's been there, done that too. Like, they've been to a cup final. They've been to conference finals. They just haven't won at all. I, yeah. I, 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 we can go round and round to, on this, though. I, I think we spent a lot of time like, on it. What? I will, you know, real quick, guy, Aaron, another name that I could possibly see, another team that could possibly be a seller with where they're at right now, and they have some contracts, veteran guys that really should be shed, uh, Seattle. Oh, yeah. You got Justin Schultz out there, 3 million, 33 years old. That's a guy that's won a cup. I... Yeah, I, I've really been waiting on Seattle to get it together here. I still think they're a good roster. They play a good style. I just, yeah. They I, got, I'm, they, I'm, I'm I mean, kinda, here's, I'm really, uh, really they, fading on the Kraken now, man. I don't think they're getting back into it. Not this year, but I mean, look, guys that are coming up on UFAs, you got 33 year old Jordan Eberly coming up on a UFA. Uh, Alexander Wenberg coming up on UFA. Thomas Tatar, UFA. Um, and then your RFAs, you got Kyler Yamamoto, Eli Tolvanen, Matty Beneers. Could you imagine Tatar going to Dallas and he gets to play against Colorado, who he's started the year with? You yeah. know, like he ends up in that would be. I don't get how fun, he's bounced fun. around so much, man. He's like, yeah, dude, cash at twenty goals a year. How? Why does he change teams so much? Like he's he's a a decent player he's a good offensive threat like i don't know i i he's think what, he'd detroit, be detroit montreal colorado seattle where else has he played new jersey um jersey, yeah maybe vegas i i can't remember if he was in vegas or not he's been around dude yeah he, yeah he's hopped around a little bit so, i mean that, that's just some guys look at matthew shane man matthew shane's played for you four know, five teams. teams at this point five teams well, Five teams with Colorado, players. Ottawa, Columbus, Nashville, Dallas. Yeah. Fifth team now. Yeah. I will uh, real quick. You know, actually, no. I'm going to save this for my final thought. But yeah, anyway. some guys, some guys bounce around. But yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at it right now, and both the Pacific and the Central, their top three are, I will say, solidified in the Pacific because the Kings are five points back of Edmonton. But it's looking like Vancouver, Vegas, and Edmonton out there, and then Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg. It just Depends on where they finish. And Vancouver's 10 points up on Vegas, which is a lot to overcome. But who knows? All it takes is, you know, one four-game skid from Vancouver and a, you know, a little bit of a heater from Vegas, and they're right back in it. So um, I, I'm excited to see how the Central pans out. Pacific, once again, just how hot can Vancouver stay? Because right now, shout-out to What the Nuck Pod, by the way. Um, obviously, that team is riding very high. But, you know, the, the Atlantic and the Central are looking like they could come down to the final week of the season to you know, to determine the division winner. And I know that you guys are as excited as I am to absolutely watch the gong show that unfolds in the next two months. Basically the season ends on April 18th. So, you know, we got about two months left trade deadline coming up soon. That'll be fun. We'll have a trade deadline special for the listeners as well. Recapping all the moves that are made. That's always a fun day too. You find a TSN stream and just plop down on the couch and have go to time. town. Yeah. If you're able to work from home. So, um, 
Boys, is there anything else we need to cover before we wrap up this esteemed episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast? Are you guys believers in St. Louis? I mean, they're in a playoff spot mm. right now. I, I'm no. not. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I actually, and they're three, they're two points ahead of Nashville right now. I don't, I mean, for Nashville to get in, you would need Soros to go nuclear hot, you know? I have more belief in Calgary to take that spot. And they're three points back at St. Louis than I do St. Louis to hold it. Oh, I don't Jacob Markstrom's had him. Jake, Jacob Markstrom, but Jacob Markstrom's having a year, man. I don't, I don't believe in any, any of the bottom. That, that's, that's what I meant by bottom feeders, by the way. I wasn't saying a team that makes the playoffs is a bottom feeder, but I, I mean, if you win the Central and Pacific, you're going to get either St. Louis, Nashville, the Kings, or Calgary. And the only team there that scares me a little bit would be the Kings, but the way they're playing right now, none of those four teams scares me at all. Yeah, so, dude. I Calgary win the, win the division and you avoid a divisional matchup. Calgary is in fucking fire sale mode, bro. Nobody wants to resign yeah. there. They got to get shit for these assets. There, there's not a chance in hell they're there at the end of the year. Minnesota is my pick. Canadian, I like Minnesota Canadian, a lot. Okay, yeah. I I do not believe in St. Louis whatsoever. They've had a hot I, I, run. I'm not a buyer. I'm not a buyer. Yeah, they've had a little bit of a hot run. They need to fucking sell. They need to take the Calgary route and kickstart this rebuild because even if they do sneak into the playoffs, all they do is make their draft pick worse and, you know, burn a year off the few good young players they have that you could have been yeah. starting a rebuild because they're so old. They're aging out. They're not going to be a cup contender with this core. They've got to got to make their moves here while they can. We could say we could say Kings and Wild then. I could see the Kings and Wild being the two teams that make it in. I, the, those yeah. are my picks right now. Just gut feeling. Yeah, I like I, I like want that. Aaron fucking cry up and down the ice in a playoff series. It's oh, boring. it's entertaining, man. I don't I don't mind Jordan Bennington honestly. Like he, it you get entertainment out of like calling him a dumbass with his antics and stuff. And sometimes he blows your socks off with some saves. Like it, I think he's he's just one of those fucking like WWE heels. You know he's. He's good for good for yeah. the league because he gets people talking. Uh, if nothing else, but if, if he's Canada's number one, I like the U.S.'s uh, odds, as we discussed last week. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, boys. I mean, I, at, the, at the end of the day, yeah, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. We'll be here to cover it all for you. And you know, the wild card races all over the place. We got divisional races in at least two of the divisions as of right now. But you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens around the trade deadline. Who gets sent where? Last year we had what fifty deals on deadline day or something. You know deadline 48 hours whatever it was i Love have a it. feeling we, we, we might see a little more this year it, it's going to be active i like it. It, it can't wait for it i yeah. think i think there's going to be some, some shot i think i think there's going to be a, maybe a few blockbusters maybe a few shockers it's what we're all here for i think there's going to be a Tell lot you, my of final my final okay. thoughts my final thought for you boys is this winnipeg or uh, sorry vancouver killing it absolutely but you just may want to pump the brakes a little bit you don't want to be the president's trophy winners we've seen what happens to the president's trophy winners you don't want to be those guys i'm telling you just get out of that race and you're i like your chances a lot more let boston let boston win it again could you imagine if it's vancouver and minnesota first round we got hoppy against isha Could you imagine oh jesus oh man that's that'd be some good content right there that would be unbelievable content. So, Nate, we, I appreciate the uh, 
the final thought there was we wrap up this episode of barely hockey Aaron, do you have any final thoughts before we send her home um you know i, I thought i might have had something else but i'm i'm all burnt out man it's been an electric fucking 12 however many hours it's been since all the news dropped this morning let's bask in the glory let's move on can't wait to see what the rest of this season brings we are in the fucking heat of it right now boys. hopefully brighter hopefully brighter days are ahead of the columbus blue jackets absolutely that'll wrap up this episode of the barely hockey podcast for aaron kinney and nate mcbride i'm phil razor saying barely hockey pairs well with bruce hello broadcast boys